Hey guys, welcome back to Divine Healing by D. Today I have on Betsy Cerullo. She is the author of Shake It Off Leadership, Achieving Success Through the Eyes of Her Labels. Uh, we're going to talk about how she's been a successful business owner for over 30 years, her tips, her tricks, uh, basically what labels have been put on us as women. And in her case, she talks about how... Uh, with the LGBTQ community and how she's met so many racially diverse people and how maybe she's had people not want to work with her in the past because of it. Just basically embracing who we are, um, getting rid of those labels. And it was a really, really insightful, great episode. And she has so much knowledge and just she really helps you embrace who you are and what your message is. And I hope you guys enjoy her. Here is Betsy. What was the inspiration for the Shake It Off leadership? Well, actually, it was time for me to really share about my personal and professional life as a gay woman and how it influenced my leadership style. So, you know, I was at a point in my life where I had some significant things occur for me, and I thought it's time to put it down on paper and to be able to share wisdom and hard lessons that helped me to fine-tune my leadership style as well as broaden my own view of how I approach business in general. So I wanted to use my words as a way to influence the up-and-coming leaders to make good change. I love that. And so what are the type of challenges that you've seen or encountered being a gay woman in business? Well, the obvious, you know, you first start being a woman, uh, mm-hmm. that's definitely been a challenge. But, you know, having been in business for over 32 years, I've learned how to navigate with that challenge. I won't say against it. I'll say I'll say with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, probably over the past 10 years is when I've really come out more in the business world about about being gay because it mm-hmm. it wasn't encouraged and it probably would have it might now let me say this it might have put my business at risk though who knows it might have flourished right. but I wasn't secure enough to be able to share that so I felt that it was best to keep it quiet but now. I am who I am, and if I come across people who don't want to do business with my company because of who I am, then they're probably Mm -hmm. not a good fit as a customer. I totally, totally agree on that. And could you, like, go more into the different standards that we're we're held to as women? Yes. Well, yes, you know, and, and I'll have to say that women are hard on other women. So... You know, I I think we also need to be kinder to each other and more supportive because what I find is that, and and I'll stand back as as an observer, especially as I've gotten older, I'll notice that when I'm in a group, certain groups of women, and, and there is someone who, a woman who's achieved success and she's talking about it, sometimes there's the side conversations or the, you know, I'm going to say the jealousy that will uh-huh. come from other women. And, it, you know, it's it's hurtful. It's it's hurtful. And I think we, as women, we have to get better about supporting each other because if we don't support our, our own kind, how do you expect anyone else to? Oh, my God, so true. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. So, you know, that that's the one piece within our gender. But, you know, many times I often hear from women 
that when a man does something questionable, I'll hear, well, he's a really, he was a really nice guy, or he's really busy, or he didn't mean that. But, you know, if a woman were to go back on her word, on our word, and not show up for whatever reason, you know, we as women don't cut each other slack. And, you know, we often get negative labels, but, like negative labels, but we seem mm-hmm. to give men more room for error than women. So, you know, I don't, I don't know why that occurs, but that, that's like a, a general shift that we have to make. If, if a guy isn't behaving or, you know, yeah, he might be a really nice guy or, he, yeah, he's really busy or he didn't mean that. But, you know, you and I are really busy. And right. if, he didn't, if he didn't mean that, then why did he say it? Oh, it's about so, accountability. Yeah, exactly. So we have to get better at at calling it calling it out and not and not allowing uh allowing it to occur. I totally agree more. Uh so how do you I want to say like how do you address burnout with yourself and your company? Like how do you keep up with these you know, these labels being put on you or these just the way people treat you. Like, how do you how do you put up with it? How do you deal with burnout? Well, you know, in terms of the company, we pay attention to mm-hmm. the team's tiredness, and we watch out uh, to see in each other's eyes as well as cues in our conversations. So, if any of us are have having difficulty moving any facet of our tasks forward, or using language that signifies exhaustion. We push each other to start the day later or end the day earlier or, you know, take time off because we, we have to do it. And I, and I also have to pay attention to myself with that. So, you know, the COVID restrictions and the limited interactions have impacted a lot of mental health, and that also contributes to burnout. So, you know, one does not have to only maintain a fast-paced work life to feel burnt out. There's also disappointment, loneliness, mm-hmm. and, you know, and loss is a major contributor. So I learned the hard way that when I don't acknowledge when I've hit the wall, I'm not serving my company or myself. And, mm-hmm. you know, hitting the wall feels different for everybody. So when I have nothing more to give and the well is dry, I- I've I've got to do something to shift it. So, you know, mm-hmm. again, you have to listen to both the spoken and the unspoken cues to help identify burnout so it can be dressed right away. Yeah. That's, so can you also share some of, like, your best, like, self-care tips as a entrepreneur, business owner? Yes, yes. So I I do my best to have boundaries about email. So sometimes mm-hmm. sometimes I have people that kind of make it, you know, will will tease me about it, but there's there comes a certain point unless I have a major deadline, I will put down the phone at night and and I don't keep it in the bedroom. It is away. Uh and I won't look at emails on the weekends. I do my best not to look at emails because if it's if it's of incredible urgency, one of my team will call me. Uh, and unless I have a specific agreement in place with a customer, mm-hmm. I don't need to check the email. So you know, but again, I think for all of us, we are our, our own biggest um, 
we we get in our way each other yeah. our own way by checking it. Absolutely. So I have to learn how to how to leave it leave it down, not pick it up, and 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 let it go. So you know that's the technology side. Uh, the other side to rest my eyes. You know I try to stay away from the computer. Even when I when I read, I tend to read books, so I'm uh, you know hard copy books, so I'm not looking at any kind of technology. So resting my eyes really makes a difference to me too. So that that's just a couple of things. That's great. So how do you, in regards to your team and how you speak to them and how you address things, how do you deal with controversial topics? Like what's going on in the world right now? Of course. Like how do you how do you deal with those things? Well, in my work culture, carefully. You know, mm-hmm. a, um, employees across our company have different opinions. Yeah. So I I send out on a regular basis a blog called Tidbits of Joy, which can be found on my company's website, which is adnetp3.com. You know, it's evident that I'm passionate about serving diverse communities and because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm part of some marginalized communities myself. So when it comes to things like COVID, I follow science and I encourage every able person to be vaccinated in the same way I received vaccinations as a child to prevent illness. Illness, mm-hmm. you know, I have I have no tolerance for hate that's communicated in the okay. world, and feel that we can all do better at kindness. So, you know, I'm proud to say that my corporate team honors each other's differences. We don't get into deep, deep discussions nor inflict our personal beliefs, yet we are respectful in following collective principles that preserve well-being for each other. So, you know, like not everyone was in favor with all the COVID mandates, yet everyone was and is committed to protecting each other. And as a leader, you know, that's that's my expectation. So, you know, we, we talk about some of the difficult things. We've talked about Black Lives Matter. We talked about the Me Too movement. And we we... We don't spend a lot of time, but if someone has a a real burning passion that it's something that's came up bothers them, you know, we'll 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 talk about it, and you know, we allow this space, but it's usually very boundaried again to respect people mm-hmm. and their and their different different thoughts. Fabulous, love it, love it. Um, and can you talk more about addiction and how it's impacted your leadership in the workplace in general? Yes. So I started my company at at age 28 and I was very social with my friends, Mm -hmm. loved to go out and, you know, alcohol tagged along too. Once the weekend came, I, you know, I loved to go out with my friends. So alcohol was a way for me to relax and quiet the work stuff in my head. So as time time went on, you know, it, it kind of, it, it got in the way, uh, you know, a hangover and, but the next morning, but I still had to put my best work forward, even though my head was pounding. So, you know, along the way I had some things occur and I really had to take a serious look at, um, addiction. So mm-hmm. I stopped drinking for over a year, and it was the best okay. year of my life. And and wow. funny thing was, it was it was the same year I met my wife. Oh, I love and, it. Yeah, and only good things came from that experience, and it was eye opening, you know. But eventually, I went back to it again, went back to drinking, mm-hmm. and 
it was not the best thing. So I'm proud to say that I've been sober for over seven years. It's probably one of the best gifts I have ever given myself. Uh, I see life extremely much clearer than I did. Um, I feel like my courage has kicked up a, a number of notches. You know, and and in that respect, I'm proud to say that my corporate team honors each other's differences or whatever whatever issue um, that any of us may be challenged with. So, you know, as as a result of my employees seeing how I've handled addiction, mm-hmm. we tend to how can I say this? Um, we're respectful. So in mm-hmm. as a result of that, my company has naturally become healthier and stronger because I was walking my talk in every facet of my life and mm-hmm. my leadership was and is operating in full integrity and my employees see that. Right. So, you know, and I'm I'm not saying that any employee any leader who has an addiction is out of integrity. But I can recognize addictive behavior in my space much quicker now that allows me to make a choice on how to handle it so it does not impact the company culture. So this was a personal thing for me that enhanced every part of my being and my life in such a great way. And, and you know, and I'm, and I'm grateful for the, sobri- for the sobriety, really grateful. So what are your uh, – someone dealing with addiction right now, what, what would you tell them? Can you give them some tips on that? So, you know, I think the hardest part for anyone that has an addiction is to identify it. Mm-hmm. You know, whether or not you're ready to take the step, if you if you identify that there's something in your life that's making your life difficult, if you can if you can name it, that's the first step. The second step is to reach out and get help, you know, and the, and the mm-hmm. help can be seeing a therapist. It can be going to some kind of support group, whatever that is. And, and you know, with with different 12-step groups, the first one you go to may not be the one that you like. Give it a chance. Don't, don't not yeah. go because, oh, I didn't like it. You, you, you have to give <laughs> things a chance, you know. Oh, yeah. And if, you, if you're not wanting to be in a um, – in a public space to do that kind of work, there's so many online resources and materials. And if you're really committed, find someone who can support you if you don't want to sit in a group scenario. And and work the steps. You know, read the steps. Understand them. Ask the questions of yourself. Journal if this is a really uh, if this is a private journey for you, you know whatever it is, give some voice to it and be honest with yourself because if you can identify the addiction and move towards living with it, um, how can I say, you know what, making friends with it, you mm. can learn how to um, you know how how to have it, how to acknowledge it and move beyond it. And, but it takes time, you know. I mean, it's not. Oh, yeah. It's it's never easy. It's it takes time. <sighs> Nothing. Anything that's worth it is never really easy, right? Right. 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 Yeah. Right. So, what brings you the most joy and happiness in being a leader? Well, gosh, <laughs> there's just there's so many wonderful so many. things, but 
you know, I think too when I when I see an employee or someone that I've worked with experience and you know see see someone's lies, lights eyes light up with possibility or see that they have what it takes to overcome a challenge. Mm-hmm. You know, when an employee presents a struggle and as a leader we ask questions to them to find the solution when they produce the prideful solution it's so fulfilling as a leader and we also have to know how to get out of the person's way to give them the space so you know we've all been there throughout our careers feeling excited when we discover the answers so it's amazing to be on the other side to teach someone the tools to come to their own answers um oh. I agree. You know, I love the that. heart the heartbreaker for me as a leader was, you know, when I have had to transition someone out of an organization. But because mm-hmm. I want everyone to feel successful and that's not always the case. So there are times when firing someone is necessary, yet it still is one of the hardest tasks for me a, as a leader. So that's not joyful. So that's why as a responsibility for me as a leader that I have to give it all I've got for whether it's an employee or mm-hmm. it's a board position that might hold or a team that I'm on, to make sure that there's open communication and trust so that the individual, including myself, have the space to have that discovery that leads us to joy. So, again, it's a journey. Oh, sure it is, yeah. So let's get to the good stuff. Like, what is your secret mm-hmm. to staying in business? Like, tell us everything. Well, <laughs> for over 30 it's years. Tenacity. Yeah, tenacity. yeah. It's, yeah, it's tenacity and it's the willingness to move quickly with changes in the economy. You know, there was a time when we could kind of predict how things would occur in the economy, but, you know, no more which is why, you know, my personality is that I never give up. And mm-hmm. and to to do that, I surround myself with amazing people who have wisdom and strengths that are needed to sustain mm-hmm. and grow a healthy workplace. And that includes the people that are on my team, the um the consultants that I work with and the customers that I work with. So it's really it's 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 collaboration, but you know, I always go back to tenacity, and I never give up. Love it. And what do you? How do you think the business needs to transition or grow? Like, how has your business grown or transitioned? Like, can you think of in it a time where that happened? Yes. Yes. So you know, in the two thousand eight recession, I. Mm quickly moved us towards becoming a federal contractor, even when there were senior leaders on my team who thought it was too difficult to make the transition. Mm -hmm. As a result, I just, you know, I attended as many free workshops that I could to learn the ins and outs, and I sought out experts for counsel. So for for those listeners that you have who are in business and who are mm-hmm. wanting to make different transitions, there's reason, really a lot of free resources out there when you want something bad enough. So, And, yeah, there's the resources where you pay a lot of money, but there's a lot of resources because people want to help each other. Yes. So I'm, you know, I'm always looking for where can I gain more knowledge, where can people on my 
where people on my team can gain more knowledge. And um, it's a process. So, you know, during that recession, we all worked long hours. I lost my salary for over two years. And I had to make a lot of sacrifices to keep the business afloat. But I believed in our team and, and the staffing services that we provided. So, you know, from that, I transitioned mm-hmm. to toxic toxic business relationship that was weighing down the company. And, you know, on the other side of several other changes came our best growth and made us the company we are today. So, you know, again, it comes back to tenacity, and sometimes you have to look at, well, what, do you th- what could I do differently? Exactly. I have a fun question because this is a spiritual and healing podcast. What are your favorite like healing modalities, do you practice any that help you in business? Are there any that you like to practice, like to try? Yes. Um, I meditate. Mm-hmm. I have morning prayer. Every every single morning before my feet land on the floor, I, I go through a series of prayers to really center myself. Um, I do I do some, you know, yoga stretches in the morning that have just helped me just kind of of course making me feel better. It it helps to center me before I start my day. So, um in addition to, you know, my exercises, I do make space for quiet time because in that quiet time of whatever mm-hmm. modality I choose, I get my best universal guidance for the day. I love it. And do you like consult for your business? Do you consult any spiritual healers or like anyone for that? Or you're just based on your intuition and on the team's intuition, I guess. Over the years, I've had people come in and do some work. Now, obviously, because of COVID, we haven't had that. Mm-hmm. Um, I do have, I do work with an executive coach who facilitates our quarterly strategic planning meetings. And though we do them virtually, she starts each meeting with following the breath and quiet mm-hmm. for about a minute or two to center each, to center ourselves, and then we dive into our meeting. So, you know, still following the breath, Mm-hmm. Um, every every staff meeting we have once a week, we all go around the room and say what we're grateful for. So gratitude is really important here too. I love that. So how would you also advise girls to create a community? How can girls get involved? Let's say, you know, people are feeling lonely as they get older. They're losing friends. This is like a common conversation I'm having. Uh, mm-hmm. With life, we lose a lot of friends, mm-hmm. different situations, and relationships. How would you recommend for these women who are saying, like, I'm kind of a bit lonely right now, like, I want to create more of a community? How can they create more of a community? Find something that you're really interested in and get involved in it. And, you know, again, because of COVID, life is going to look a lot differently for a while. Right. I recommend that if 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 you if you have a hobby mm-hmm. or if there's something new that you want to experience find a group you know especially with with whenever it's warm weather find a group that perhaps meets outside you know if there is a virtual group and 
and you want to start that way, get involved. It could be a hobby. It could be a meditation circle. It could be a drumming circle. I have been part mm-hmm. of such fabulous drumming circles. And, you know, that's where you tend to find some like-minded people. Um, you know, m- me being at my age, I have mm-hmm. certainly had, uh, I-, I have friends that I've had for decades since childhood. And, you know, myself too, I've had people in my life who are there for a season or a reason mm-hmm. yeah. and friendships transition. So, you know, I come back to, I still have my core friends that I'm friends with and I keep myself open to engaging in other like-minded conversations with people. And, and, and that's how I'm able to, to foster friends. So I think when it comes to, to friends, sometimes the misnomer is, well, I, I don't have a lot of friends. I want to have a lot of friends. But as you as you mature in life and sometimes one's style in life, it doesn't always have to be about quantity. Really, right. the quality of the friendship is more important. And if you have, you know, one friend who is your soul sister, that's yeah. a great thing. It really, really, it really, really is. But if you're wanting to have more friends, then then find like-minded people in areas of interest that you like. I agree. I agree. And in regards to keeping it professional with your team, like mm-hmm. do you believe that people need to be careful with who they like let into the the people that they work with, of course. Like do they have to be careful with who they let into their life? Like when when is it like too personal? Like does there have to be some kind of like distance? What do you think about those relationships? Well, boundaries in general I am a proponent for, you know, especially mm-hmm. in the workplace. I believe me, some of some of my dearest friends are people that I worked with eons ago that I'm still friends with. So Great. you can have a friend, a really a close friend from your work environment, but you mm-hmm. you it's wise that you set a boundary. So yeah. you know if there's say there's something that you're unhappy with in your job, of course you always have someone or some ones in your workplace that you trust and you can confide in. But if you find that the change isn't happening for you, the best place to to go is to the to the person, the manager, you know, in my, you know, in a small company, it could be the owner that can help you make that change. So be careful that when you do have friends in the workplace, that it doesn't become, you know, just the water cooler conversation that holds mm-hmm. you back. You know, if there's change that needs to happen, you have to be part of the solution. And sometimes your friends are your biggest champions, and there sometimes can be a friend or two that they're afraid, so they may hold you back. So you have to be able to trust your intuition and to be able to discern, is that friendship supporting me? Is it helping me grow, or is it holding you back? It's You know, it's it's a personal decision, a personal discovery. Great, great. Love it. So, Betsy, do you do um, a lot of, like, one-on-one coaching or a lot of that right now? Like, can people reach out to you to do, like, private calls and 
conversations? You know, it, they, they're they more than welcome to. I used to mm-hmm. have a coaching practice. I tend to do my work now across teams. But okay. I am always happy to have individual conversations with people. There there are entrepreneurs that I have and continue to work with to guide them with, uh, you know, ideas on how to grow your business. So people can always reach out to me. And if I don't think I'm the best fit for you, I can guide mm-hmm. you on where to find a good fit. Great. I love that. Thank you so much for this conversation. This was awesome. Can you tell everyone where to buy the book? Reach out. Yes. So if you go to my website, BetsyCerullo.com, you can see my books on there. Uh, Typically my books, Shake It Off Leadership, and also I have a children's book, Miss Crabapple and Her Magical Violin. They're both available at... Yeah, on Amazon and Barnes and & Noble, and they're in hard copy or also... Uh... I'm so excited for this next partnership. I love CBD. I love hemp. They have both helped me so much in my wellness journey, and I'm always open to partnering with amazing brands that can help others. And... Feel Good Hemp was started by Noah. Noah's father was diagnosed with cancer and he was on a mission to heal him. And that's what he did. He created this amazing brand of tinctures, gels, and bombs. The bomb is called The Bomb. It's really amazing. It has the cleanest ingredients, just oils and hemp. What more can you want from that? He's been so, so sweet to give my listeners a code, 25% off, free shipping, if you use the code DIVINE25 at checkout, uh, it's basically the subscription coupon, but you're not subscribing. You're just getting the deal. What's better than that? Thank you, Noah. We really appreciate you. And yeah, so go to Feel Good Hemp and check him out. DIVINE25 at checkout. And let me know what you guys think about it. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I just wanted to give you a friendly reminder. If you like what you're listening to, if you like my content, if you like my podcast episodes, really appreciate ratings on Apple, reviews, subscribe, share to your friends, family, anyone you really think would benefit it. And thank you always for the support.